Big Sis Australia. This week for episode 15, I caught up with a brave woman on the Gold Coast who's about to remove her breast implants because they are making her sick. I know this information is going to be news for many of you listening in, so I'm extremely proud of her sharing this with us all. Let's get into it. Thinking about getting your boobs done? Well, it seems like it's no big deal nowadays. Everywhere I look, I see so-called perfect man-made breasts. Now, to prove my point, you'd just have to have watched Australia's version of Bachelor in Paradise to know what I'm talking about. Because when I looked, I was like, that's about nine out of 10 women that are on that show that had had breast augmentation. So we're always looking at these women saying, oh, they're really happy with them. But we don't really hear about the problems when it comes to breast implants. There is a thing called BII, which it stands for breast implant illness. And I'm sure a lot of you have never heard of this. But with over 40,000 women experiencing these symptoms, I'd suggest you listen in because this is some really valuable information. And as I said earlier on, we've got this really brave, amazing woman, Laura G, and she's going to be talking to us about this today. Thank you for coming along. Thank you for having me. So we're going to talk about your story with why you originally felt the pressures because I have been talking on this podcast a lot about body image and really how society is moulding us as women to feel that we could be inadequate. You were, I believe, about 19 years of age when you thought, hey, I think I want to have my breasts done. Can you talk us through maybe even that bullying that was happening at school? Absolutely. I actually think I was a lot younger than 19 when I realised that I wanted breasts. I think when we grow up and we go from the transition of girlhood to womanhood, there's this big gaping gap in the support and nourishment of honouring who you are as you grow up into this woman and the body transforms so much. It's a, it's huge for women and for men. But for me, my breasts didn't grow and with all the media and, you know, these understandings of what a woman is and what a woman looks like, everybody thought that you needed to have breasts, including me. Well, this is my point with the producers and the casting selectors. You know, they're actually telling us what we should be looking like. And imagine all those young teenage girls looking at that particular show that I'm talking about and thinking that's the normal body shape that we're supposed to look like. But it's man-made. It's not real. So, yeah, so you obviously felt those pressures. I definitely did. I was at school. I'm, I was definitely a critic on myself. I was definitely probably one of my worst critics. But when you go to school and the girls that you're spending time with call you bee stings, it really begins to prick at your heart. This is really big news for me to think that it's more the girls picking on you. Yeah, I think it's girls, we look at each other just like boys look at each other. And I think that when girls see things in other women that they're uncomfortable with in themselves, they bring it to your attention by teasing you about it. And that was definitely something that happened for me. So tell us some of those names. So beasting, what Flat else? chested. That was the main ones for me, bee stings yep. and flat-chested. Yeah, and how old were you then? Ooh, 
14. Okay. So yeah. you were very impressionable then at that point in time. So the teasing continued to happen. And then when did you actually decide to go and get your breasts done? I remember I went bra shopping with one of my girlfriends and she had lovely slender body and these beautiful breasts. And we went and we tried on these bras and she came out in this beautiful lacy bra and just filled it out perfectly. And I couldn't even fill in a AAA super padded bra. It was gaping on me. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I walked out feeling ugly and disgusting. And I was like, I'm not a woman. I want to give you a cuddle back then <laughs> when you do. came out from, and looked at yourself in the mirror like that. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So you went and got them done at 19. Yeah. How did you feel when you first got them done? I was adamant that that was what I was going to do. And it didn't matter what anyone was going to say to me. For me to feel like a woman, I felt like I needed to have breasts. And I had all these girlfriends around me on the Gold Coast that were actually getting their breasts done already. Well, it's massive on the Gold Coast because mm. obviously we both live there and, you know, I notice it myself. Mm. So it's kind of the culture now. It is. Mm. It is. Well, I went to the boob doctor of all boob doctors back then. He's retired now. I went to doctor... He was worked out. All worked out. <laughs> he had too many to do. He was Something a busy like man. That. He, I think his number plate was Twin Peaks. Oh, don't. Don't even go there. Okay, so you went to the best of the best. I did. I studied breasts and I saw these beautiful breasts on women. I was like, I want what she's having. And I ended up going and getting the breasts. I was happy with my breasts. I was definitely, I felt like a woman. But back then, for me, that's what being a woman was. It was having breasts. And I think, you know, when you're a lot younger, you're so in the moment of getting to know your body and the hormones running around. And then all of a sudden, you know that boys are attracted to you and men then become attracted to you and you want to be attractive to them. And, you know, you know what they like and what they don't like. And if you don't have something, if you're not actually confident with who you are, you feel that you need to fill in these gaps. And that's what we're talking about because I really want women to feel the best that they can be. So if they feel that that's going to make them happy, great. But this is what we're talking about today is actually what is in these implants because we're not hearing about it. We're not talking about it enough. When did you start discovering you were getting some symptoms from BII? Well, I had no idea what it was. I was relatively healthy. I was exercising, eating well, and, you know, I didn't have any illnesses or anything, so to speak. But all of a sudden, different things started to just start not working right in my body. I'd get, I had osteoarthritis in my neck, for example, and then I had digestion problems. And I ended up with funny smells under my arms. And I had no idea and metallic taste in my mouth and sharp pains. I ended up on the floor sometimes with such sharp pains in my chest. I felt like I was going to have a heart attack. I can't breathe properly sometimes. I, I gasp for air. And That's horrific. That's yeah. really, like, how many years after the surgery did you notice these symptoms? It didn't happen until the last probably six years. It's been happening, but it's been a little bit of this and a little bit of that, and it comes and it goes and it comes and it goes, and you just think, maybe I'm a hypochondriac, and you go to the doctors and you do breathing tests and you get ultrasounds and, and all sorts of things and blood tests, and I've got a lump on my thyroid as well, so there's a whole bunch of things going on, and, and joint pains, that's another one, and brain fog, <laughs> and weight gain, there's all sorts of things, and, and then I've also had unsuccessful pregnancies, and I can't help but think that with everything else that's been going on in my body, that they all seem to be so interlinked. And when I finally found out about breast implant illness, 
I went and I joined this group. And when I came into this group, there were all of these other women in there and they were sharing their stories and they were all presenting with seven to 12 of the same signs and symptoms. I was like, I'm not crazy. So it must be nice to have a supportive network that you can at least relate with other women now. But let's go into when you actually started then to research what's in these implants. Toxic bags. Mm. <laughs> so that's your new name for them, yeah, toxic, toxic bags. bags. Yep. I had no idea what was in breast implants and it's not just one specific type. It's silicon and saline breast implants and the shell that encapsulates the implant. So there's over 40 different toxins in these that I don't remember the doctor sitting down with me and saying, hey, Laura, I just want to let you know there's arsenic in your implants. Are you cool with that? This is what it's going to do to your body. I mean, if you consume it, it's going to kill you. And I had no idea. Exactly right. And this is the problem because we're not getting properly informed. Yeah. So some of the ones that people would definitely know and would probably ring alarm bells are formaldehyde, arsenic, mercury, zinc and talc. And that's only, I think that was five. That's five of the 40. Then there's the fact that some women have got um, saline implants and some have got silicon implants. So women that have got cohesive silicon that are like gummy bears or chewing gum, don't think that you're exempt from this. The implant actually leaks. It leaches. It sweats. So it has to form into your body, doesn't it? It, it sort does. of has to make itself a home. It does. So then that would make sense. Yeah. So there's a couple of things that go on there. So one thing that's actually happening is the implant, once it's in the body, the body's constantly seeing it as a foreign object. So it's fighting it constantly. So your body's not, you know, healing properly ever when you've got a foreign object in there. But the implant leaches, so it leaches all of these toxic chemicals into the body. Other women have had ruptures. Other women have had mould in their bodies. Some women have developed fibromyalgia and Lyme disease. You know, it's horrific. But um, And we're not talking about it enough, are we? No, we're not. No, it's only just beginning to come out more. Um, uh, Crystal Hefner has stepped up and she's had hers removed and she's really embracing this new her with these just normal breasts. So when we're talking about removing them, we're saying you're not going to replace them. So you're going back to your natural size. And I just wanted to clarify that for our listeners. Yeah. So explant surgery is what I'm going to be doing. So they're going to explant the implant. And the implant actually encapsulates itself with a defense mechanism capsule, which is your own body scarring. And that's full of toxins. So some doctors don't remove this. And that's a concern for me. And for many other women that are looking to have their breast implants removed and that's why so many women are going abroad to have it done doesn't matter where they are and that's you yourself you have to go overseas for that I've chosen to go overseas I've done a lot of research on doctors and just the reviews that I've been getting from doctors around the world have been a little bit iffy so some have been great reviews and then there's been some not so good reviews and I just don't want to be one of those women that has a not so good review so there is one doctor that I've actually discovered that is in Costa Rica and that's where I'm going to have my explant surgery he actually does the explant and end block so he fully removes the whole capsule and that's very important and the reason that's important is because the body can actually build cysts up inside the body and it's also that capsule holds a lot of the toxins in there 
Sorry, my breathing is a little bit funny. It's my breathing is because of the From implants. the illness. Yeah. Yeah. So I do gasp for air a lot, um, and that was something that's quite scary for me, um, not realizing why I couldn't breathe properly. But I've discovered that the implant attaches itself to your ribs, which is where, just where the lung is. So that's probably a lot to do with why the breathing struggles are there. Yeah, fascinating. Yeah. I'm learning so much. Mm. Now, I believe that you're actually going to be featured on an ABC documentary talking about this. So can you talk us through what's happening with that? Yeah, there's a lady in Australia that's doing a documentary called The Boob Issue, and uh, she's just basically going through the procedures now of getting it up and running through iView on ABC. And I'm one of the people that are going to be talking about breasts. The documentary itself is not specific to breast implant illness. It is to do with how women are dealing with having big boobs, little boobs, plastic breasts, breast implant illness, breast cancer, and just the emotional journeys women have been going on with their bodies. It's going to be a great documentary to look out for. Now, let's actually talk about that emotional journey that you are about to embark on because you've gone from that 19-year-old looking at yourself in the mirror saying, I'm not beautiful with small breasts. You're about to get them removed and go back to your natural size. Mm. What are your thoughts? Initially, I didn't really think about it. I just realised that my health was in jeopardy. And then I found these pictures just the other day and they were of me when I was a young girl with no boobs and my boobs didn't grow much past that point. So when I saw these pictures of myself and I'd actually been through the questions of the interview with the ABC documentary, I burst into tears looking at this young girl thinking, why did you not feel enough? Why did you feel that you needed to be something else to be loved and accepted and beautiful? What was it that was clicking in my brain or wasn't clicking in my brain to make me feel so empty? And, I mean, I could go on about my story of of bullying and all sorts of things and feeling this empty void of not being enough, definitely. And I think that's the thing with with many women. We all have these, these stories that we've been through in our lives, but we don't realise how much of a victim we're becoming in our own stories and how we're living in it, whether we realise it or not. We're not letting go of past traumas and pains and then we feel that we need to do things to ourselves. So having the implants removed, I'm a little bit scared, definitely, because you know they've been inside my body for 16 years and they've stretched my skin and having them removed from my body... Yeah, it's going to be a bit of a scary journey. But by the same token, I'm more than my breasts. I am a beautiful woman and I'm liberated in my own power and I don't care who loves me or doesn't love me. I'm just going to continue to be my passionate, loving self. And if I can empower people along the way to feel more within themselves about who they are and not need to do this, then I feel good. Well, this is why I wanted you on this podcast, (laughs) for everyone to hear that inspiration. And obviously, you're going through a massive transition of feeling like a woman as such with the bigger breasts and then actually going back and really, as you said, tapping back into self-love. So it's such an important message. I'm so glad you got to come in today. So let's talk about just quickly before we wrap it up is those support groups. Mm -hmm. So there's one on Facebook, is it? 
Yeah, there's been one amazing one that I've really been very much welcomed into. The ladies in there have been an amazing support and it's called Breast Implant Illness and Healing with Nicole. And there's something like 40,000 women in that group, which is mind-blowing in itself. She also has a webpage, which is www.healingbreastimplantillness.com. That's awesome information and because I just found with your original post on Facebook, which is why I wanted you to come in for the podcast, was just so many women, you know, they just weren't aware of this and they were so inspired by your post. So yeah. thank you again for spreading this message and for also sharing your personal journey. It's a massive one and we really appreciate your honesty. Thank you. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Well, that's a wrap for the first season of the Big Sis Pod. Thank you so much for listening in each week. And if you have enjoyed the chats, please feel free to share the love with all of your friends. And if you haven't already hit subscribe, make sure you do so. That way you're going to know when we're back for season two. But in the meantime, you can still get a fix of Big Sis by following us on social media or simply jumping on our website, bigsisaustralia.com. There's plenty of videos, blogs and behind-the-scenes footage for you to check out instead. I can't wait to chat with you again soon. Bye.